0: Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. I wanna continue a sermon series that we started uh, a few weeks ago called The Kingdom is Around the Corner, or The Kingdom Around the Corner. What we're talking about is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. In scripture, is labeled both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. It is, as we saw in Matthew chapter four, it is the gospel that Jesus preached. It's the good news that Jesus preached. When Jesus came to earth, he said in Matthew four twenty three, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this was, according to Matthew, the gospel, that Jesus preached, Jesus began to preach the gospel of the kingdom, and then as we look at so many of the teachings in Jesus's life, we see that over and over and over and over and over again, he's talking about the kingdom, and signs and wonders and miracles are following his talk about the kingdom. And so I believe that, I, that actually the, the, the gospel that Jesus came to minister to us about was yes, indeed the gospel of the atonement where he was crucified and, and rose again on the third day. That's an important piece of it, but it is just a piece of this kingdom of God. And so if you've missed out the past couple of weeks, you need to listen to some of these other um, audios, some of these podcasts where we talk, we went back to Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter one and two and three, we've been talking about uh, the beginning of the, of the kingdom of God and how that kingdom has come back to earth and, it's, and it, is, it, is in, it is around the corner. It's moved into your neighborhood, that's the good news. No matter how far away from the kingdom you may feel like you are today, the kingdom of God is near you. It is within reach. You can reach out. You can enter into the kingdom today. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is that there, that there is a king, and he has made a way for you and I to enter into his kingdom. And um, so, so, so really, I mean, this is, this is really good news. So I want you to turn to somebody next to you and tell them the kingdom is around the corner. The kingdom of God is around the corner. Good job, good job, good job. I, it's participation. I like it. Kingdom, get out of your comfort zone a little bit. The kingdom is around the corner. Now I want you to finish, now I want you to finish the statement though by, by 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 giving them my sermon title today. Okay, so I want you to look back at them and I want you to say, but. That was slow. That was real. It was like half of you that were like, but, and was like. Mm-hmm. Alright, so I want you to look at them and say, but there's a catch. (laughs) There's always, exactly, there's always a catch. There's a catch. I've been, I don't know, some of you may know this. I've been looking for for a new car lately, a specific kind of car. I've been doing a lot of shopping. I drove down to a dealership in San Antonio on Friday. They had the kind of car. They had, uh, I, I talked to them. We worked at blah, 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 and I found out that it may look good online, but there's a yeah, they may tell you something over the phone, but there's a, he said, why don't you just come down and sit in it? Why don't you come down and drive it? Then we'll talk. And and I'm like, man, I love sitting in it. I love driving it, but I'm also going to pay for it. So let's talk about what we talked about. And so I found out that there's always a catch. And so today I want to preach on a very encouraging, positive, loving message about how the kingdom of heaven is around the corner, baby. But yeah, you got it. You got it. There's a catch. Now, I'm not saying that to be negative. I'm not saying that to be, you know, Debbie Downer or negative Nancy. I don't know why it's always ladies, but there should be like a negative guy, negative Ned, maybe. There we go. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be Dave Downer here, uh, but I'm just telling you that honestly, if it were as easy as the kingdom of heaven is open to everybody, every, then everybody would go in. The truth is the kingdom of heaven is around the corner. The truth is the kingdom of heaven is open and available to everybody, but there's a catch. And that catch is really found in Matthew chapter five. So I've been talking about Matthew chapter four, where Jesus preaches the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's nearby. Well, Matthew chapter five comes after Matthew chapter four. And in Matthew chapter five is recorded the longest sermon um, that Jesus ever preached. Well, it's the longest recorded sermon. I personally feel like he probably preached a lot of long sermons because he was a good preacher and a good sermon is a long sermon no amens on that. Okay, cool. All right. I'll just amen myself. Come on, somebody. Preach it, Pastor Harry. That's good stuff. And a good sermon. is a. This is three chapters, man. Or, you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He went on and on and on. It's a a beautiful sermon. If you ever have time to read it, check it out. When I was eight years old, uh, my parents challenged me to memorize Matthew chapter 5. And uh, if I did that, then I would get Super Mario Brothers 2. I don't know if you remember. I'm showing my age now. I'm showing my age. Super Mario Brothers 2 was the bomb. Anyway, um, uh, if I would memorize word for word, King James, King James, I think it was King James Version. uh, I had this little, little Bible that had a snap cover on it. And man, so let me tell you, I've read through Matthew 5 a few times in my life, because uh, every time you start over, you know, you got to start in the first verse. Well, the beginning of Matthew chapter 5 is, is a little section that, that most theologians call the Beatitudes. It's, it's a series of 13 or 14 verses where Jesus um, explains what it is to truly be blessed from his perspective, and it doesn't really line up with all of our perspectives, of course, because he's Jesus, and he lays out some things, um, and the very first one is found here in verse 3, Matthew 5, 3, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it interesting, the first sentence of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, as it's called, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, and of course he is, because that's what he was obsessed with. That's what he was constantly trying to talk to people about. And he starts off with this blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, this is tricky, though. Uh, when I was 12 years old, my pastor asked me to preach my first sermon ever in, in the big church. Uh, we were a church of about 25 people, so it wasn't that big. But um, with the adults, little Harry, little Harry, Harry J as they called me because I'm a junior. Little Harry J got up there and he was supposed to preach on this like youth Sunday. I was like one of the oldest youth. And so 12 years old, I got up behind the pulpit and I had studied uh, to preach. And when I'm studying to preach, man, I mean, Matthew five is what I'm gonna preach on because that's what I know the best. And I started reading Matthew five and I came across this scripture. And quite honestly, this one's hard to understand. So I didn't preach on this passage. Because I'm smart. See, I, it's, uh, I wasn't born yesterday. You take the easy ones first, you know, figure out the easy ones. And so I went down to verse 8 where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's an easy one because it's like obvious. It's self-evident. That's something that you could probably, you know, like walk into any mosque actually and say, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Well, they, it's, it's self-evident. No matter what your religion, race, or creed is, it's like, yeah, I can, I can see the point of that. But this one, this one has always kind of stumped me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That one always seemed a little bit odd to me, specifically because now, if Jesus would have said, "Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven," then I would have, I would have got on board with that pretty quick. Because I have noticed, just in my short life, uh, very short, very short life, that 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 there are people who are poor like they don't have a lot of finances, but they are rich in a lot of other things. I've seen that, I've, I've been on mission trips in Mexico, went to this one place, it's seven hours southwest of Mexico City, and it's, uh, uh, it's a little island, a tiny little island, uh, and, and there's, only, there's only one electrical wire going from the mainland to this island. not a lot of electricity on the island there's no sanitary system on the island there's not a single restroom on the entire island and the whole thing is a bit of a hill and we were we were we were walking up the cobblestone steps up to this house where there was going to be a church uh, that was meeting in a house up near the top of this hill and there are little yellow streams flowing down the cobblestone um and ladies twirl in their dresses and squat in the grass kind of thing. Uh, The island smelled really good. It was a wonderful smelling island. It was the best... The best, uh, not exactly. We got we got up into that house. There was about fifteen twenty people, but man, they were joyful. Like you can be, you can not have a lot of money, but you can be rich in joy. And they had, they didn't even have an instrument. They just had tambourine. And I didn't know the song, but I'm singing along Spanish with them. I don't even know what I'm singing. Like no habla español, you know. And they're just like I'm just singing along. And they're rich in joy. They're rich in the spirit of God. They're rich in like they're hugging at the rich in love they're hugging everybody and they even made like at the end of it I was so I was so embarrassed because they made tacos for us and I'm like man you guys are like so poor and now you're making tacos for me like folks at St. Chapel don't even do that you know just kidding just kidding Pastor Harry want us to make tacos no forget it it's too late I said something now too late I want you to want to make tacos for me. No, just kidding. Um, That's a whole nother sermon series right there. Um, No, you know, it's like, man, these people, like, they're just, they're rich in generosity. You know, I've seen that. I've seen people in Lagos, Nigeria. I've seen people in different parts of the world that are in such poverty, and yet they're so rich in so many other things. And so if Jesus would have said, blessed are the poor, then that would have made sense. But he didn't say that. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people that don't have much resources spiritually. And that kind of rubs me the wrong way because I'm a pastor, and what I'm doing all the time is I'm bringing out these spiritual treasures, trying to load people up, and Jesus is like, no, actually, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the people that don't have much anointing, don't have much revelation, don't have much spiritual fortitude, don't have much spiritual uh, stock. And it's always kind of like, well, uh. Hold on, what about spiritual riches? Don't we want to be rich in spirit? And yet Jesus says, you want to get in the kingdom of heaven? That's good, but there's a catch. Because if if it is true that blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will and they will inherit the kingdom, it will be theirs. They won't just get in, they'll own a piece of the land. They, if, you want, if you want real estate in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be poor in spirit. And if that is true, then the inverse of that is also true. Cursed are the rich in spirit, for they will not have the kingdom of heaven. It's so like I said, positive, encouraging sermon today. But Jesus, I think, was pretty upfront about the catch. Unlike used car salesmen, he's a little more upfront about that. You don't have to get in and drive it before he'll break it to you. He'll just break it to you right off the, right off, right off the gate. The first sentence in his sermon. By the way, guys, you want to be in the kingdom of heaven? There's a catch. The catch is you have to be poor spiritually. Now, you can drive a Maserati physically. You can be rich. You can have a big bank account rich. That's fine. God's not against riches, but spiritual riches. This is a problem. I know people that drive very nice cars, but they're spiritually poor. And they're entering the kingdom of heaven because of it. And meanwhile, I know other people, most of the time, what I've found is that most church people are really good at being poor physically, really good at being poor financially, but they're bad at being poor spiritually. So the good news is you get to take some of the very principles you've been learning since you were five and applying on your finances, your personal finances, and now you just apply them to your spiritual life. So it's really great because you, are, you, are, you already know what I'm talking about. So what I'm gonna to talk to you about today is how to become poor, okay? So this is gonna be a really helpful sermon for you. Or maybe maybe a better way to make it sound more appealing for the podcast. How to become rich. There you go, I'm gonna get a lot of downloads this week. How to become rich, okay? So this is, this, is, this is the key. They're both kind of true if you just do the opposite, but anyway, this is how you become rich, you ready? Spend less than you make. Mind blown. See, some of you are going to go home. It's going to change your life forever. You thought you were just coming for a sermon? Man, you are going to be set for life. All you, here's, this is, this is amazing. They'll stop sending you bills if you stop charging the credit card. Like, seriously, it's amazing. You want the, the bill demon to go away? <laughs> you curse it, rebuke it, bind it, and then take that credit card and cut it. You know, like, if you don't buy stuff, they won't want their money back. So, so Already, I can see you guys are like, is he here to make fun of us? For me? Some of the husbands are like, yeah, Target, 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 right? Target. This is not a good time to do that. Just keep straight. It's about Jesus, guys. It's about Jesus. All right, focus on Jesus. And no, like this is, this is how, you become, it's how you become rich. You spend less than you make. It doesn't matter how much you make. If you spend less than you make, at some point you will become rich. It's just it's just and it's just it's just a fact. It's just is absolute fact. You spend less if, if if you have more coming in than you have going out, then you can do it. And and, and I mean we did this financially, personally, when we first moved to Texas. We were making uh five hundred a month. Yeah, five hundred a month. Uh when we first moved to Texas, we were living on a ranch with the ministry, so we got to live with them in a shack for free. Um, yeah, lots of bugs, interesting snakes all around, um, coming into the house, out of the house, there were holes in the wall, like you could see through, uh, when it got windy, you had free air conditioning, uh, and, there, you know, no self, okay, so you got 500 a month, well, we're going to spend less than 500 a month, and, uh, we're going to, we're going to eat for less than 500 a month, and we're going to, we, we had some food stamps, right, we got some government cheese, I, I, technically not, but nowadays it's nicer, and, uh, you know, I mean, you just, you spend less. Then you bring in, and then as we brought in more, we got to get our own house, and we went up to seventeen thousand a year, and that was a huge promotion. Um, Seventeen—I don't know how much that is a month, but it's definitely a lot more than five hundred bucks a month. I mean, we we got to afford a car payment, and uh, which we which we quickly paid off. But you know, I personally have experienced living on less than is coming in. And so I would suggest to you, like you should probably do that. Uh, Go watch some Dave Ramsey videos, listen to some podcasts, you know, pay off some credit cards, spend less uh, than you have coming in. But how do you become poor then? Like, spend more than you have coming in. That's how you become poor. It doesn't matter how much you have coming in either. You can win the lottery, but if you spend more than you have coming in, you will become poor. You can get a raise. You can get 10 raises. You can get 100 raises. It doesn't matter. If, you, if your idea of spending is, is, is what can I afford and then what minimum payment can I afford, then you're probably going to end up poor no matter how much you have coming in. And, and it's, and it's, but the great thing is that, that many of us have experience in poverty because we grew up on that side of the tracks. We grew up never feeling like we had enough. But, man, it seems like spiritually we, we know what it is. We don't know what it is to be poor very well. Spiritually, we're savers. See, see poor, rich, rich people are savers, poor people are spenders. This is financial peace, university right here, 101. Uh, rich people are savers, poor people are spenders. Poor, poor people spend, they, it starts burning a hole in their pocket. You know, as soon as they get something, As soon as they get a little, little bit of cash. This is how I was when I was 19 years old looking for my first car, by the way. The only way I knew how to save was just to not cash my checks. I got $75 a week from the Times Herald. And so I the, as soon as I could cash it, I want to spend it. You know, because you see, oh, those shoes look nice. And man, I could reuse those pants. And, and as soon as you cash, as soon as the cash hits my pocket, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know why I'm just holding on to it for a rainy day. I should be spending this. And and so the only way I knew how to save up for, for my first car was to just not cash my checks. I had a stack of $75 checks. You know, my, my mom, my mom's like, How much money do you have saved up for a car? I'm like, well, hold on. $75 plus $75 plus $75. She's like, You went cash. These, She's like, you know they expire, right? And I was like, oh man, oh, no. I need to get the bank, mom. Let's go, you know, but that was my version. That was my version back then. Luckily, I've matured a little bit. That was my version of saving, though, right? Because as soon, I knew as soon as I got the money, man, I'm going to want to spend this money. Why? Because I had a poverty mindset when it came to finances, and that'll, that'll cause you some heartache and problems in life if you carry that with you in terms of your finances, but man, in terms of a spiritual life, that's exactly the kind of person who can enter into the kingdom of heaven. The kind of person that as soon as revelation hits them, they got to put it into practice. They have to use it. See, the kind of people who cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, the catch are rich people who are they're rich spiritually. In other words, they're taking notes. <laughs> not to blame anybody who's taking notes. Everybody looks up, that's not me. I don't have to. notes. No, because it's like, man, I gotta, I gotta write, ooh, 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 that's good. I gotta write that down. Cause I might need that later. And I'm gonna stick it in my Bible along with the 40 other sheets of notes from all of last year that I never check out, but it's on my shelf. And if I need it, like that, that that's what rich people do. They they just put stuff into something called a savings account. Have you guys heard of it? It's, it's where you have money that you're not spending right now. That you're, all, it's a, what is it called? A cushion fund? Is that what the Dave Ramsey calls it? It's like, you should have three months worth of if you lose your job or whatever, you can you can still survive because you have a cushion fund. That's great in terms of finances, but in terms of the kingdom, this will stop you from entering the kingdom of heaven. When you are make when you're receiving more revelation than you're ready to act on, <laughs> You're stocking up that savings account. Oh, I don't need that now, but it's good stuff. Oh, it's good. Oh, I'm going to write that down. And it's fine. Take notes, write stuff down. As long as you go home and put it into practice. Like sometimes we post it, but we don't practice it. But because we posted it, we feel like we did something with it. Oh, sure, that one on Facebook. I'm going to put that one on tweet. That's tweetable. I'm going to tweet that. Well, that, that's good and all. But, man, if you, don't, if you don't work it in your life, if it doesn't come from heaven to your head, to your heart, and into your hands, sometimes from heaven into our head, into our heart, and we just store it there because, well, we don't really need it right now. Well, rich that, that, that's, what, that's what rich people do. They make money that they don't need right now. They're not living week to week. They're not living hand to mouth. They don't work for it and then eat it, work for it and then eat it. They work for it and then stash it. And then the interest off of what they're stashing, this is really going to help some of you, the interest starts paying them back. So so when when you get to be so rich that you don't even need the money that you have, man, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven spiritually like that. You can do well in life like that. When you live financially like that, it'll help you be able to be generous and bless other people. It'll be awesome. You'll be able to drive a Maserati if you want. It'll be awesome. You'll be able to go on family vacations and stuff. You won't have anxiety about not having enough. That's wonderful in terms of physical money, but spiritually, it'll kill you. If you are only concerned in stockpiling revelation You'll get so rich spiritually and other people will start going into the kingdom of heaven ahead of you. And you'll wonder, how are they getting in? They don't hardly know anything. How are they going in? They haven't been going to church like, but a few months. What is she? She's just watching online. <laughs> how is it how is it how is it that i'm i know so much i've learned so much i've built up so much spiritual fortitude and stuff and i can't get into the kingdom well that's the problem you're too rich spiritually you have too big of a savings account you've been stashing stuff away for too long you haven't been desperate in 10 years you haven't needed See, that's the thing. Rich people have a, have a long-distance relationship with need. They really do. They have a long-distance relationship with need because their money has created this cushion between where they are now and where things really get desperate. And that's good financially, but spiritually, this will stop you from entering the kingdom. Because you come to church not because you need it, but because you like it. Your, your, your relationship with need is... There's a few steps before you're actually at that point. There's a desperation, yeah, no, we're not there. I mean, we might have to s- tighten our belts a little bit. You know, that's, that's a rich person statement, tighten my belts. Well, was it falling off you before? I mean, how does that work exactly? I mean, yeah, no, it's, no, it means that there's margin in our budget, that we have the ability to cut back on a couple of things that we know we're purchasing just because we can. But man, if things get a little tighter, we don't have to do that. But poor people, Poor people don't have margin. They don't have a gap between what's coming in and what's going out. They don't they literally, they, the, this week, they need that check. They need it. And if that's true financially, the, 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 the bonus is that this is the, the, this is the catch for entering into the kingdom of heaven. You have to be poor in spirit. You have to be at the place where you need it until you need it, you'll never receive it. You can stockpile revelation, you can stockpile stuff, you can learn new stuff, you can experience new churches, but you'll never enter into the kingdom of heaven so long as you don't really need it, which is why you can be in the same church, sitting on the same row as one person's entering into the kingdom of heaven and the other one is not. The other one's like, "Wow, why is she acting like that? I don't feel anything. It's because your spiritual riches have insulated you from that feeling of I got to have this now. You know, that feeling of the payment is due tomorrow. But if you're rich, you forget what that feels like. Because payment's never due tomorrow. And if it is due tomorrow, well, let's write a check. Just just, can't I just call them? Swipe my debit card? Can't we just deal with this? I have the resources to deal with it. See, spiritually poor people don't have the resources to deal with their life. They need God. They've come to the place where they've recognized all my knowledge, all of my figuring it out, all of my uh, Dave Ramsey, is not doing what I need. I need something else other than what I can do. And that's why I'm in like, and, and I've seen this time and time again, that those that are spiritually rich, they have a saving mentality. They have a store it away for later mentality. They even say, man, I wish so-and-so was here because that they needed this sermon. <laughs> translation, I, I, I'm, I'm good. I got enough in the bank. I'm good. I, I, you know, I've already heard something like that one time. <laughs> that, that's translation. That's the way rich people approach it. Spiritually rich people, not from a place of need. From a place of preference, which is my second point. I kind of took too long on the first point, but the second point: spiritually rich people are selective because they're because they're really quite satisfied. They're selective. They, they, uh, you know, they walk into church not hungry, but just um, uh, deciding if they like certain things. Uh, Like I said, I've been looking for a car, it's a particular kind of car, and it seems that the kinds of people that own this particular kind of car are rich people. And I've been on so many forums and they talk about the the stitching in the leather handle. You know, I like this one better because this stitching over here is cross-stitched and there's this type of stitching. And I'm like, really, we're going to make a car decision based on the type of stitching. Well, yes, actually, rich people do that because they're so far removed from need, they're not thinking the insurance cost or the gas. They don't think about how much this gas cost because they don't need to, because they got enough in the bank. They're thinking about the stitching in the leather steering wheel. Now, if you go to Nigeria and ask somebody, it, 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 if you go to that island where they don't have a restroom and ask them, so I'm really thinking about this Porsche or this Porsche, I'm really not sure because the stitching's a little nicer over here, but I really like the Palomino, you know, color over here. You know, and they'll, they'll look at you and go, what are you talking about? Do they drive? Like, you're buying a car? And that's, and that's, and that's nice. Hey, if you can afford a Porsche or a, a nice car, I mean, awesome. I'm glad God's blessed you with that. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that, but spiritually, spiritually, if you're driving something far greater than you're ready to obey, then you're ready to act on. If you know far more than you're ready to put into practice, this is a catch. It's the thing that's gonna keep you from the kingdom. It's the thing that you're gonna watch other people enter in who seemingly aren't any better off than you and they get in and you can't figure out why. It's like, and I've seen this man. In this very trough, We've I baptized the guy. A couple of years ago, and he, he told me before the baptism, he said he couldn't his left, I think it was his left leg, couldn't go in the water because he had a tracer uh, ankle bracelet on his ankle. It's for looks. For those of you that don't know. and uh, But, you know, we he didn't want everybody to know, and so I said, well, it's alright. God knows your heart. Just wear jeans. And just leave your left leg out. We'll baptize most of you, it'll get, you know, splashed a little bit on the leg, it's fine. Like God knows your heart, it's not about that. And it's crazy because because that guy I, at, at that at that time in his life, I don't think he could tell you all the names of the books of the Bible. I don't think he could tell you, you know, Genesis through Revelation. I don't think he had, I don't think his bookshelf was lined with with wonderful spiritual books. He I don't think he knew like any Hillsong songs, like, cause he wasn't listening them to them in his car all the time. He wasn't spiritually rich. But he was hungry, and he entered the kingdom of heaven just because he was so darn desperate. He was so darn hungry, and it's crazy, and it's and it's so sad to me because in the same, sometimes in the sometimes even in the same service, you have people whose bookshelves are lined with all kinds. They could tell you they could quote rattle scripture tell you this answer to that answer and and they're they're even debating theology with people they're even splitting hairs about 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 leather stitching on steering wheels and stuff like they're 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 they're, they're high up here and and yet they haven't been in the kingdom in 15 years and you got folks with tracers on their ankles going in having to step over having to step over their their enlarged body because they've just been eating and eating and eating and eating spiritually I'm not body shaming anybody but sp- spiritual fatness not doing any exercise not, 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 not putting any of it into practice just receiving and receiving and receiving just, just laying there at the door of the kingdom not ready to put it in no, I'm, not, I'm just not quite sure yet what happens is you get spiritually rich and then you get spiritually particular about details. And you become, you know, an expert and you start, you become a connoisseur. Rich people are connoisseurs. They, 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 they understand finer details. Oh, I don't know about that sermon. It didn't have quite enough, uh, I don't know, personal examples. Uh, I prefer 1.5 personal examples. There was only about one in there. I really like it if it was a bit more, you know, punchy perhaps. If, I don't know where Sean Connery just came out. I guess when I think uppity, kind of, you know, it's like the British accent. I guess uh, once again, I'm not, you know, sorry, my bad. I'm not saying that's true. It's just, it's just an American perception. But it's just like, you know, it's just like it's that, it's that thing of, uh, yeah. I, I would rate their child checking system at about a seven. And I suppose the worship, you know, it wasn't quite as contemporary as I like. You know, there's some older songs in there. It's, couldn't we be in this decade at least? Right, and it's like, but like, was the presence of God there? Like, was it theologically accurate? Like, was there nourishment for your soul? Like, you know, stuff poor people think about, stuff real, like real value. Oh, yes, 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 but I I would really prefer it to be a bit, you know, and and, and, so this is the problem. You're so rich spiritually that you can't get into the kingdom because you just keep noticing all of the dents and scratches in this thing. There's a dent right there, I don't think that'll work very well. The pastor's hair is a bit floppy for me, I don't like that. You would be amazed at the kind of stuff people tell me. I would go to City Chapel, but, and they just tell me it's random things. I don't like the color of that door really, it's a bit gray for me. Strange, strange, strange from a poor person's perspective. Cause I'm like, well, do they have food, spiritual food? Am I getting fed? Am I growing? Is there love there? Is there fellowship? Like, does that stuff? Cause that's like the meat of the thing. Rich people aren't, don't care if it's rich. Rich people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it, it's meat, but it's gotta be medium rare. Like a really well medium rare. They appreciate the finer things, which is good if you can do that. But spiritually it'll block you from the kingdom of heaven cause you're not hungry anymore. You, you only shop at Whole Foods now. <laughs> you don't ever go to H-E-B? That's right. You you judge between Whole Foods and Sprouts. That's what happens. That's what happens. The produce section is a bit better in Sprouts. I, I will say it's a bit fresher, but the fruit is so much over. Like, like, this is the problem, though. You're not hungry. And actually, rich people don't even shop for themselves. They hire that out. And that's, that's good. If you can afford to do that, that's wonderful financially. But spiritually, you cannot hire this thing out. You're gonna have to be a doer. You're gonna have to be a worker. You're gonna have to be just a laborer. You can't be an employer in this thing. You have to be an employee. You have to come under a boss. Some of us are so spiritually rich, we. We'd rather work for ourselves, be in charge of supply and demand, answer to ourselves. Spiritually poor people say, just give me a check. I just need need something this week. I'll, I'll do whatever. I'll dig. I'll work outside. I'll do construction. I don't care. Just give me a check. Spiritually, those are the kinds of people that can enter into the kingdom of heaven. The people are just looking for that revelation because it's, 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 it's like a nugget. People call it nuggets, right? And that's because it is. It's like the gold deposits of revelation into our spirits. And what you do with it de- determines whether you're rich or poor. And the good news is you can be poor today. <laughs> uh, I got a dealership down in San Antonio that'll help you out. They will, they will help you get there real quick. going to find out as soon as I get it you're going to find out you're going to find out I haven't got it yet though still working on it. I'm working see that's that's the thing poor people got to work on stuff you know what I'm saying but I don't I don't have it in the bank I can't just go I got to work on it people that work on their spiritual lives is the kind of people that can enter into the kingdom of heaven but man, you can get poor today. You can, you can delete your bank account. You can, you can swipe that spiritual debit card, purchase something so large that it, it cleans it out if you're seeking that. And Jesus in Matthew 13, I'll close with this little parable that Jesus told, very little parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like, so often he said those words, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. He's a rich guy. He's got, he's got a lot, and he's looking for nice things, fine pearls. And then he finds one pearl. Notice just one. He's looking for plural, but he finds one. One pearl of great value, and so he went and did the thing that rich people never do. He sold everything that he had. And Dave Ramsey says, you idiot. <laughs> you have been saving for years, and you blew it on one pearl so financially please don't do that don't go home and tell your wife hey we need to we need to get that big house mortgage everything no that's not smart but spiritually the kingdom of heaven is exactly like that it's like people that are searching looking for something everything they have in the bank is on the table all the revelation that God's poured into their life, all the knowledge that they have, even their gifts and talents, because spiritually rich people will hold their gifts for somebody who's ready to appreciate it. I don't want to serve there because I don't quite appreciate my gifts. they hold on to their stuff because they don't want to spend it until it's going to get a really good return. They're going to get something back. But poor people will just, they don't, they're not looking for an interest rate. They're just looking to spend. It's burning a hole in their pocket. And so spiritually, man, he says, this guy is looking for something that he doesn't have. And when he finds it, he goes and mortgages, he sells the farm, he sells everything so that he can get this one thing because to him, that one thing is worth more. One thing in your hand is worth more than all this stuff in the bank. And I would suggest to you that one step forward in your spiritual life this week is worth more than all the sermons that you've heard the last 10 years. One decision put into practice, one thing put into motion, one thing actually applied to your life is worth more than an entire bookshelf full of really, really good books. One, just one thing. And he finds this one thing and he's like, yep, that's it. That's worth, that's worth everything. And he sells all that he has and he gets it. And that's it that's the end of the parable. Jesus doesn't go on any further. He's just like, that's it. Those are the kind of people that get in. Those are the kind of people that get it. And when you get it, you realize that, man, you don't get to take any of this stuff with you. You know, like, Bro and I were talking about our retirement. Um, I'm 39, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, way down the road. And Matt and Micah were in the room, and they were like, well, you know, because we were talking about well, we'll sell the farm. We'll buy a little apartment in, in Austin. And it's good to think about that kind of stuff. And Matt and Michael were like, well, you know, so what's going to happen to us? And I said, man, you're, I don't know. <laughs> God will take care of you. <laughs> he took care of me. I said, I'm not leaving you much. Just so you know, if you want to go to college, you can work through college like I worked through college. Now, I know that's not rich person mentality, but that, that's my I'm like. I'm, I'm going to spend <laughs> everything that God blesses me with. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to do what I can with it. And then I'm going to enjoy life with what he's given me. And uh, I'll leave you a little bit. But, uh, dude, you might want to follow God, trust him, tithe. It'll work out. Because you only, you know, YOLO. <laughs> but that, if that's kind of true physically, for me anyway, I think it's true spiritually. You don't get to keep any of this revelation with you. All of of your stockpiles of saved videos on YouTube, they all just go away. The question is, what did you do with it? Did you spend it? Did you act on it? Did you share it with somebody else? Even if you couldn't act on it particularly that week because it really didn't apply to you, but did you share that? Did you give it to somebody? Did you say, man, look, this this is for you. I, 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 I mean, my, my parents growing up, we didn't, we didn't have much money. And part of it was because mom and dad just gave stuff away all the time. You know, Dave Ramsey was not, mom and dad didn't like Dave Ramsey very much. They, they just like, they got, they got money in and they said, we need, to, we need to give it to the church, we need to give it to somebody, we need to spend it, we need to do something with it. And that was true uh, financially, but it was also true spiritually. We're always going home talking about how that applied to our lives. We're always going home talking about how we, how we could put this into practice as a family. I encourage you to do that. That's why we have round the table stuff for kids because we, it's got to, if it, if it comes to your head and lands in your heart and doesn't make it to your hands, it's just sitting there and it's not worth anything sitting in that bank account. He finds a pearl and he buys it. But my final point is that there is technically there is a catch to the catch. I was looking for a catchy phrase, I found it. There was there's a there is there is the catch of the kingdom, but beyond that, there is a king who is ready to catch us, who's ready to grab a hold of us. Because if you look at that passage again, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant the kingdom of heaven is like not you and I are like it does apply to us as I just applied it but technically Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant who was in search of fine pearls and when he found one he gave his only begotten son for that one like he bankrupt heaven for that one he sold all that he had all the angels in heaven weren't worth as much as one hand of Jesus and and he gave his entire son, deposited it into the world in order to purchase you and I. He valued us to such a great extent that he sees our worth so high that he sold everything for us. Scripture says that he who uh, he, that even though he was equal with God, he didn't count that equality to be something to be grasped, but rather he made himself in the form of a servant. He, he, he He who was rich became poor so that you and I might enter into this rich kingdom, this richness of this kingdom, which means that no matter where you are today, the price for your entrance has already been paid. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a minute? I'm going to dismiss. Before we do, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to this king of the kingdom who has paid so much for you and I, who with his own life, with his own blood, gave himself for us so that we could enter the kingdom, so that we could know our true value. And then that we could give it back to him. Because when he bought that pearl, he owned that pearl. And that's what God wants from you. He wants that thing that he purchased, which is your heart. To release it back to him, to give it back to him, Father, some of us are here today and we've never done that. Or it's been a really long time. And we've taken it back since then. So Lord, right now, we just give it back to you. We give you our heart. We ask for you to come in and fill us. We ask for you to take ownership over what you paid for. Our life, our hands, our heart, our head. All of us, we want you. And other ones of us here, we've we've given our hearts to Jesus, but but we haven't been acting on the revelation that he's been sowing and pouring into us. And so the Holy Spirit, I believe, is just revealing different things to you and I, just speaking to different ones of us, different ways to put it into practice. For some, it may just be a determination to, to, to go to church every Sunday, because that is costly. You could be out doing a lot of other things, and, and uh, it's costly, it costs you something. For some of us, that's, 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 that's where we need to swipe our spiritual debit card and say, all right, I'm going to pay for that. And for others, entering small groups is, is a part of that cost, carving out an hour in the middle of the week, the weeknight. Swipe that the spiritual debit card to say, okay, I'll, I'll pay that. For others, it's serving, just simply using our gifts, sowing into our gifts, and not maybe not even knowing exactly the best way to do that, but just simply starting. For others, it's just it's just reaching out to homeless people here in Austin, it's keeping kids fed uh, on, on Tuesday nights. It's giving to other people who cannot pay us back, who cannot bless us back. There's no return. There's no interest payment here. It's just given, just freely given given. So Lord, I pray that you'd speak to each one of us about where we're at, how we can become poor, how we can stay poor spiritually, how we can stay desperate and hungry for you, how we can stay on the edge of literally just not having enough, where we need you. We feel that. Because otherwise, we'll just wake up in the morning and have a little quiet devotional time with a with a Bible or a devotional book, just because it feels nice, because we want to. God, may we recognize our desperate need for you. And then we wake up and we search the scriptures because we got to hear from you today. We have to hear from you because we don't know how to raise these kids. We don't know how to manage this family. We don't know this marriage. We don't know how to deal with the stuff that's coming up. We don't have the resources to deal with the stuff that's coming up in our lives. We need that check right now. Spiritual impartation right now. We need God. So we welcome you, Father, in every area of our lives to reveal to us how we can spend it. Some of us have been rich for so long, we don't even know where the shops are. We've been sending people to go get, let's go shopping. Let's go shopping. Like, like, just imagining some of the great things out there of our spiritual life that you have for us, some of the great giftings and anointing that you have for us, the plans that you have for us. Just like we scroll through Amazon just wondering what's, a, what's out there and advertisers are constantly beckoning us to get new tennis shoes and all this stuff. Father, may we, may we start thinking about what you have for us and start dreaming. We might not have it all yet, but we're working on it. We're working toward it. And when we find it, we're going to spend everything we got on it. Thank you for your grace, for your love for us, for never letting us go, for catching us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.